Nothing says summer fun quite like recording a podcast, a legit morning brew podcast on a Sunday morning, a little after 9 a.m., especially when your partner is back home. We have a live from the source razor back in Bellevue with the Bellevue beauties, I think, in the last 24 hours. I think we all should be very fortunate to feel and to know that razor is okay and has made it to morning brew with Jaffe and razor after what was probably deemed a necessity and not just a good day, but a great day. Razor, can we get a quick synopsis of what a day in the life of being home in Belleville has been like in the last 24 hours? <laughs> yeah, sure. We've been here for five days now, so we've been uh, doing the rounds, seeing the family. But yesterday, Saturday, was uh, golf day with, with my crew from uh, a group of friends that I've had since grade one. So you can imagine what, what that was. Um, we stayed up much too late last night. Um, there's a few guys that were overly excited. So, uh, I knew I had to work this morning, knew I had to get up at 9am and it was definitely, uh, a grind getting out of bed this morning. Um, I, we appreciate your <laughs> dedication to morning brew with Jaffe and Razor. I am sitting here, uh, having a, a legit uh, Fazenda Morning Brew, as, as always, this episode brought to you by the awesome people at Fazenda, fazendacoffee.com slash morningbrew. Um, my wife, Victoria, is out of town for a couple of more hours, so it's just been me, my daughter, uh, hanging out, and our dog, and, and, and Cooper could make an appearance at any time here, although I think he feels like you. He kind of had a hard Saturday, so he's trying to sleep it off right now. Um, by the way, did you bring Mila with you guys here? Yeah, I got the whole, oh home? no, the dog's here, absolutely. So she makes the trip. We drove up, it was an easy drive, easy cross the border. So anyone wanting to go to Canada this year, I'd recommend it. It was very, very back to normal. So, um, so yeah, so now we're, we're off to Toronto today. So I, I've, uh, as much as the, the podcast getting up for that, it, it's more the rest of my day that I'm dreading at this point. But so talking hockey is pretty easy, especially. Being in Canada, the draft was on the forefront yeah. everywhere. Um, and then Bruins drafting some Ontario kids, which which makes it uh, interesting as well. Yeah, well, we're going to get through all that. We're going to get through a ton of stuff here. Uh, not a lot of chitty chat, uh, just to, because the fact is, Razor, again, how, what is it, hour and a half drive to Toronto? Yeah, we've got two hours, especially Sunday. we got to get ahead of the traffic because everyone's coming from cottage country back cottage. into the city. It's like driving from the yep. Cape to Boston on Sunday. So, um, so yeah, we got to kind of get up and moving. And again, um, not not everybody in my house is, is overly excited with me right now. So, so I really got to be good. All right. All right. Well, we'll get you going and we'll get you on the road. And then uh, maybe if we're lucky, I know you're going to be busy on and off the ice in TO. Maybe we get a little update if anything happens. Sure. Uh, let's get right to it. Well, you, you mentioned the Bruins draft. Uh, only six picks. They didn't make a move to get into the first round. Rumblings of that. I don't know how legit it was or not. Let, let Look, folks, let's not BS you. Neither Razor or I are draft experts. Uh, in fact, go follow guys like uh, Dominic, our buddy Dom on Twitter. Or, or uh, there's a great Bruins network, it's called. And I'm sure I'm leaving some other guys out with no disrespect, no offense to anybody. Go follow those guys for a lot more in-depth analysis on Bruins players that were drafted and other OHL guys. Um, I, I mean, listen, I, to, to sit here and tell you they, they made the best out of a tough situation not having a first-round pick, I don't know. I've heard the name, I mean, I know the name Cole Spicer being a U.S. kid, knowing that he's going to 
Minnesota Duluth, getting him in the uh, the fourth round, I think it was. Uh, I don't know Matthew Poitras. I, I don't. I know he plays for Guelph. Uh, I, I, you know, you read the things about him. Uh, so to sit here and spend a lot of time talking about it, Razor, I think would, wouldn't do our, our listeners any uh, any benefit, except for the fact. Let's just hope none of these kids are coming in next year. Um, <laughs> we know that maybe not even for three years. But let's hope the two of them. I think what, would you agree? Two of these six, if they could end up getting time in the NHL, I'm not. I'm not trying to find a silver lining here. I'm saying I think I think you're going to be happy with that. Oh yeah, that's that's the math, right? And mm-hmm. especially with, and it was obvious through the draft. And again, this is a thing in Ontario right now. Is is the Ontario kids? They really got messed up by COVID. They, they had all their mm-hmm. games shut down. They had everything shut down in the last year and a half. And, and that's why none of those guys went in the first round. Shane Wright dropping to number four, an Ontario kid, mm-hmm. just hasn't played a lot of hockey in the last couple of years. And there was a lot of concern about that. And so the fact that, that like there's a lot of talk here, just the fact that he, an Ontario kid was able to go fourth without playing a lot of games the last couple of years was actually really impressive. It wasn't so much the drop from number one. And so, so yeah, we're talking about projects here out of these six kids, um, a goaltender who's going to be, you know, a big kid from out West that, that right. he, you know, it's six years, it's six years. He's, right. he, you know, that, that's what we're dealing with. So um, yeah, it, it's, it was, it was an interesting draft, but for the Bruins, pretty, pretty stock. And if you could get one, maybe two of these guys to play a couple games, it's, <laughs> it's a, it's a real bonus for your scouts. The kid Jackson Edward, not to be confused with our buddy Jack Edwards, <laughs> high above the ice. Um, Jackson Edwards is what six foot two, hundred ninety five pounds, and I guess it, it, all indications are a ferocious freight train, <laughs> a bit, a tad undisciplined that's on the back great, end at times. That's a great draft <laughs> blurb, right? That we all saw yeah. <laughs> can be undisciplined at times, which really is right. saying a lot. Right, which is being kind for saying he he you know <laughs> he needs to get a little controlled up, but I know it's intrigued some people. I mean, look, you can dream, you can hope. Uh, Patrick Hornquist, you know, a late round draft pick, right? Yeah. Who's only made it because of his fierce competitiveness, his battle, and you know what? At times, it's undisciplinedness too, but his willingness to do shit that others aren't willing to do. You never know. You got to keep dreaming. Um, just a quick, quick, quick synopsis of the draft again. I want to get into many other things, starting with Bruins coach Jim Montgomery right now. Uh, but the draft seemed fun. I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, people all said that they were in Montreal, that it was great. It was electric. The fans were awesome. The kid, Yuri Slavkovsky, forgive me if I'm not pronouncing the name right, is NHL physically ready at 6'4", 229 pounds. Is he ready emotionally? I don't know. I, I, I've seen him. I mean... He's the MVP of the Beijing Olympics where there were no pros at. You know what I, I mean? So is he the best of the others? Yeah, I guess he was at that point. But he has matured incredibly an awful lot in the last year. Would it surprise me if taking another year or two for him to make it? Not at all. There's no reason for the Canadians to rush him. But an interesting pick to your point about OHL and Canadian players in general being done. I mean, look at all the foreigners taken in the first round. Great, great time for Slovakian hockey. Great time. It is going to flourish. You are going to see kids now uh, that have more impetus to to train and get better due to the success of this draft where they saw multiple players taken uh, in the first round. I got to tell you something, too, Razor. 
I love the Shane Wright pick at number four for Seattle. I do. I mean, <laughs> you know, it still might not be a great year this year in Seattle, but in two or three years, Shane Wright, Matty Beneers, 1-2, one, 2-1, two, two, one, whatever, it's a pretty damn good down the middle, in theory, at least. It is in theory, and, and it fell their way. As much as the mm-hmm. we would all probably suggest the, the expansion draft didn't fall their way, um, so, some interesting choices that didn't pan out. Um, this one, this one fell for them right um, to get down to to not have a great season, to end up at number four. Probably disappointed that they were the fourth overall pick, but to get a guy that was considered one of the right. best um, to have him drop to you is is good for an organization. And and again, that's really where the only place that the draft really impacts your team within eighteen months is in the top five picks. I, I think that was very evident. Even anybody at 10, 11, 12, like you're, you're still rolling the dice at that point. And, and yes, those kids are going to play a little bit, but to say that they're automatic NHLers is, is still a stretch. And especially this year with the COVID kids that they are, it, it's, it's a good reminder for everybody to, to not get overly concerned come trade deadline about your first round pick. That's 27th overall, or your second round pick that you're trading for an NHL player. Like these kids are real young and and they're really unsure of who's going to be good and who's not. Yeah, you have to fill the pipeline, obvious. You have to fill it continuously. You have to have prospects every year. That's the goal. The draft is the most overt way, the most obvious way of filling that pipeline. We know that UFA's out of college, UFA's out of Europe. It's even the OH, even the Canadian League. It, it, it's all a possibility there. It doesn't matter how you do it, but the draft is the most obvious way yes. of filling that pipeline. And so I get the importance of it. I get the perception of it too. Uh, the Bruins have to be better at drafting. We don't need to go over the whole, even starting with 15 again. They We know where they've been. If they don't, it's going to be part of a potential demise, right? I mean, they, they have to, but just continue to fill the pipeline, whether you're the Bruins or another team, you have to do it and you have to do it with players. Um, you know, I, I do think that they need some diversity, you know, I mean, you can't just get the small, best skilled, high, you know, best available player. Uh, I still think the Bruins need to get more size in the pipeline. I don't think they got it this year. Jackson Edwards is again, a seventh round pick and he's got nice size, but overall that has to be a goal of theirs. When it's all said and done, we have no freaking idea. How's this for analysis? Razor and I are not sitting here saying we have any idea how these kids are going to be. We're going to admit it. We have no freaking idea if they're going to be any good or not in a couple of years. Let's hope so. Let's hope that they fill the pipeline with that. And unless you got something else to add about the draft, having been up in Canada watching it in Sportsnet, I'm more than happy to move on. Let's move on. Nope, let's move on. All right. You and I talked last time on Morning Brew with Jaffe and Razor about how there's going to come down to two players and I mean pers- people, for the head coach opportunity. It was either going to be Quinn or Montgomery. And it came down to Jim Montgomery. Uh, we got that right. Um, I got. I like the pick. How about you? Love it. I, I mean, I know I saw your, you know, your your comment on on social media. Um, you know, I by the way, and I said I hope David Quinn gets the job in. San Jose, and I think there's a legit chance with Mike Greer, and congrats to Mike Greer, a wonderful guy, a uh, wonderful opportunity for him um, as, a, uh, going, as a former Shark going out there. So good luck to him there. I was just texting with him earlier. Um, but I think for the Bruins, the right pick in Jim Montgomery Razor. 
um, aggressive, very aggressive. And I, I'll go over some things that notes of his that I've had, and I've known Jim, you know, since he was coaching in, in at Denver, uh, but not too dissimilar, I think, uh, to to Bruce Cassidy in the sense of aggressive mentality, much. Uh, very focused in a good way on the defensive end of things, but not going to stifle offensive instincts. I mean, he was an offensive dynamo when he was at at uh, Maine playing there. And then even in the American League where he really succeeded, 122 games of NHL play for Jim Montgomery, but he really succeeded an awful lot in the AHL. But as a coach, it's aggressive by nature. That's his DNA. Yeah, it, it's. I think it's a great pit. You know, the best that was available for the Bruins. I mm-hmm. love the fact that um, you get a guy who's won. Um, that that's every level, every, every single level. level. Uh, he's been in the NHL, so he knows how it works. Now he's been in back to an assistant. He probably learned a lot in his assistant coaching duties the last few years. Uh, for his first time doing that at the NHL level, I think he's probably better than he was in Dallas. Well, I know he's better than what he was in Dallas because of his off ice issues as well. That you know, now that he's got a clear head, yeah. imagine what he can do um, as, yeah. as a coach. And and I think it's just a, a a perfect synergy coming off Bruce Cassidy, similar to how Bruce Cassidy was a perfect synergy coming off Claude Julian. You go Julian, Cassidy, Montgomery, all very similar. All very similar ideas, all very similar um, ways of looking at the game and coaching the game, but they do it in a little bit of a different way. And that little bit of a different right. voice is going to go a long way for this group. And, and that's what seems obvious coming out of this is that they they needed a coach that's similar to what they were doing on the ice, but just a little bit of a different voice off of it. And I think that's what they got in Jim Montgomery. You know, Jim Montgomery is going to be introduced to the, the media locally in Boston on Monday afternoon. And, you know, do you get into an X and O conversation with him there? Probably not. <laughs> but I'm curious, Razor, if he implements the hybrid type of D zone coverage. We'll call it a hybrid for lack of a better term. It is not a strict zone. It is not a strict man-to-man. There's there's checkoffs and there's, there's handoffs, et cetera, when the D where they can go to, where they don't, that they played under Julian and then a lot under Bruce Cassidy. Do you stick with that since it is a different system in the sense that you don't see as many teams playing that uh, in the NHL um, or not? Do they go to something different? I'm not going to sit here and profess to know where, where he's going to go, but I am very curious to see that come training camp, You know what kind of system will be implemented there. I can tell you it will be physical. Now, that could be a challenge given that I don't know if this team is constructed to be a physical by nature. Now, does that mean you got to crush people, Razor? No, but it needs you need to you mean to be in on plays. You need to be a physical shutdown type team. Look, I go over notes about him at Denver. Now, coaching in college is very different when you have 38 to 42 games than when you're talking a full NHL season. Again, Jim has had many years now in the pro game, too, between coaching and head uh, assistant coaching with Dallas and St. Louis. So maybe, you know, he's, when I say tempered that, I, I don't know, but like I go over his notes from Denver, he wanted 60 hits a game. Now they track the hits versus, let's say, the NHL type tracking. 60 hits is a frenetic pace, but college is a much more frenetic game. But those were goals that he said. He's a big goal setter for each line, for each player. But notes that I had here, him, Pioneer Hockey, or I remember doing a game of his, relentless, hardworking, in-your-face, D-men jumping into play. I mean, nothing earth-shattering there. 
but he's going to try and bring some of that mentality to the Bruins, but yet you have to do it at an NHL style, I would call it. Yeah, and, and I think it's I, – I, I take a lot from what Cam and Don talked about this week as well when they talked about Montgomery and, and how the interview process went and some of the ideas that they had going into it and not wanting to be in their zone as much. I thought that was really interesting because the Bruins were one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. But, but both mm-hmm. Cam and Don talked about getting out of their zone quicker, um, which, to your point, that hybrid D basically allows everyone to stay on the outside. There's not a lot of pressure. Keep everything to the outside. If they want to pass it around in the zone, leave them there. No big deal. So to your point, will they be aggressive there? Will they try and get the puck back a little bit quicker, a little bit earlier they will. in the defensive yeah, zone, I- in the neutral zone? and. and that should that should pick up the pace and 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 will certainly pick up the physicality of this team because of the opposite of sitting back and holding the dots that we talked about so much holding the inside dots leaving everything to the outside um, so that'll be interesting how everyone adapts to that and because uh, it seems to your point that's where they're going to go and it seems like in the offensive zone they're going to get inside a little bit more and and a little bit more of a cycle game, which is is what the the, the guys in charge wanted. And to your point, <laughs> will the personnel be able to hold up to that kind of pace for 82 games? That that still remains to be seen. And I think the the idea is you're going to get more out of some of these guys that that might have not been flourishing under the previous coach. The Coils, the DeBrusques, that's they 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 expect a lot out of those guys if you're going to play that way. Can you change a player's DNA with a coach? Can you do it over a long period of time, Razor? That's going to be the big question. I'm asking you, and I'm also rhetorically asking that, because these are not these are not new pros. These are longtime pros that have a certain way about them, that have a certain style, that have a certain uh, hockey DNA to them. And... Uh, I'm not going to, you know, you, you brought up two guys. There's other guys, too, they're going to look for, for, for. Trent Frederick, for instance. Um, other guys in general, you know, are, are, are you looking to break them down from what they used to be and to make them into what they hope to be or ho- you hope them to be? Or is this something that's in them that needs to be kind of cajoled out of them? I think it can. I think it's in all of them. I, I think... I think there's been a lot, there was a lot of emphasis. And I think, you know, as the last couple of years went on, there's so much more emphasis on these guys being perfect defensively. And it, it, it just kind of seems like the, the criticism came a lot from that um, for mm-hmm. these guys. And, and now if you're going to play that way, you're going to make more mistakes. Listen, they're, they're, they're going right, to make, right. there's going to be more opportunities for the goaltenders to make saves than what there has been if they are going to up that tempo and if they are going to change the defensive zone a little bit to get the puck back you're going to look like most of the other teams in the nhl where you're giving up opportunities you're giving up chances so as long as the players are allowed to do that i think those guys can change i think those guys have it in them i don't like i don't think it's a full dna change for for charlie coyle to to be a little bit more aggressive offensively and go rather than feeling like he always has to be patrice bergeron if you allow those guys to go, the Jake DeBrus of the world to go a little bit, I think, I do believe they have that in them. I don't think they're changing, but it, it will be a, a mentality change that will take a little bit of time in thinking 
I don't always have to be back. I don't always have right. to be the, the, the third wave of defense. Maybe I just have need two waves of defense and I can be a little more aggressive. And it could be a bit ugly early on without a couple of your better defenders, defensemen, and a couple of your top forwards like a Brad Marchand because they just it's it it's just obvious it could be this could be even more difficult but I do agree I think you're going to see not only uh quick uh, attempt at quicker exits I think you're going to see more stretch plays I think you're going to see wingers go a little bit more um and I think it could get ugly at times and I don't mean that in a negative way I mean that in a transitional way where you're reimagining things you're re-educating players who have done a thing a certain way for the last couple of years well then it'll be re-educating the the fan base everybody listening to this ourselves um yep. just understanding that they're they're probably going to come from a different place than what they have for basically the last 13 14 years since julian jumped yep. in through cassidy um so so yeah it, it's gonna be it's gonna look different it really will and um that that's necessary at this point the evolution of the nhl what colorado looked like what tampa looks like you have to to keep up to those guys and 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 the way to do that is to to be a little bit more aggressive defensively and offensively um speaking of being aggressive i don't know if this is a good transition or not um there's an article i don't know if you got to see it out of the globe about how the boston bruins players and you and i've touched on this already in our last show but it's just Let's quickly hit on this as well. Had a big hand in the coaching change. I don't know if you saw the article in the last day or so. Uh, and the premise behind the article, or not even the premise, the 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 uh, the storyline there is is that is that a good thing or not? You know, be careful what you wish for. You know, um, I guarantee you that there's a there have been a lot of players over the years with a certain football coach in in this area who haven't liked what uh, they've been treated or whatever and have maybe said things, I don't know if it was ever publicly or not, or at least to, let's say, uh, management there, but he wasn't going anywhere. So now, and you and I have talked about this, right? Last time we sat down and did Morning Brew, that the players absolutely had a, a say uh, in this, and you even thought perhaps there was a circle back to players after the initial uh, interviews, exit interviews. Maybe there was um, interaction between, maybe not actually players, maybe managers or agents had conversation with Bruins management about it. I don't know for sure. There was obviously extra conversation. There's no doubt about it. Is this a slippery slope, Razor, that the Bruins are skating on right now, uh, having gone through this change of coach, this is not the first time that this has happened, mind you. I know that. There have been other coaches that have seen their demise via, uh, whether it's exit interviews or other other meetings, etc. cetera. Um, but this one seems, obviously this touches home because it's our home, uh, but also because of the success of the coach had. A 650 winning percentage in his, in his six years. A well-liked public figure. Um so again, I don't know if you had a chance to read the interv- the article or not, Razor. So, um, where, where do you stand on this after having now had ten or fourteen days to 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 think about it more? Yeah, I saw the article, uh, read it, and and yeah, it's it's very it's very obvious the timeline that that's 
how it went down when it comes to mm-hmm. players just because it took a while and everyone was surprised and it felt like Bruce had dodged the bullet because um, typically if you have bad results, you get fired right the day after the season and you start moving right, on. within a week. This, within a week for sure. Exactly. And this felt like, okay, well, they must have circled back. To your point, it's not always the players that are sitting down and calling. It's These guys are talking to 50 agents a day. They're talking about other deals and trades and players, but they're also talking about guys and what they think of everybody. Don's on the phone nonstop. And, and, and it felt like he had enough of those conversations with people that that made him think, realize, um, understand that he might have to go in a different direction. So so I I do believe in all of that, um, that, that that's kind of the way it went down. Now, to the question of it's a slippery slope, I don't think so. And I don't think so because for, for, for a couple of reasons. One, the group, this group, I think gets a benefit of the doubt. This isn't a bunch of 20-year-old kids that um, are still learning to play in the NHL, that are still figuring their way out, that it's during a rebuild, but they just don't like the coach. Um, these guys are all winners. Um, the group, the nucleus, the guys at the very top um, understand the NHL. And, and they're not – they don't want to be – they, they never, they've never taken shortcuts. They're not looking for the shortcut out of a coach that's giving them a hard time. Like this idea that uh, the, these guys, these Bruins can't be coached hard is, is a narrative I don't believe in, narrative I don't think is true. I think like everybody out there can understand that there's voices that they've heard. There's, they've had bosses, relationships that they've heard, had that mm-hmm. this kind of way of doing it gets tiring. And I think it's as simple as that. There's a difference. Yes. There's there's a a difference difference. between coached hard and, and to being just tired of hearing it the same way or hearing it a certain Mm -hmm. way, a certain way, certain way. And and that's, that's, that's the way I see this. These guys want to be coached hard. They want to be challenged. They challenge each other. Everybody's always talked about how hard these guys practice. Anybody that comes in, how hard they compete on a daily basis with each other to get better. So, so there's it's not a country club atmosphere um, that that's that the Bruins are looking for. The Bruins players are looking for. They just wanted it. It, it seems as though they feel like they can get better with someone else sending the message. Yeah, it felt like uh, just the 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 you know getting through all this. The need to change the deliveries of messages and personality mm-hmm. just ended up being it's just a personality the, 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 thing right 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 now is it it so it's not the inmates running the assignment no. i'm gonna say that and i, I you know and again the, the article was just about how you know is this it, it's now out there around the league um i don't i don't you can't do it again per se. You know what well, I mean? I mean, this it's is not going to happen you know, the, the, six months, and in. it shouldn't happen again. Yes. right. It, 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 exactly. Uh, I mean, if this happens two years from now, eh, I, well, we've already talked about that too about how the importance of this hire. I mean, you you elected to keep your management in place. This is huge for them. I don't think that can be understated enough or stated enough. You know, I think we all we all know that, and there was a lot of angst by my many fans out there about you know what was going on how the Bruins were making these decisions so I, I I think that they they have the ability to do this this time but they they have to be good at this this has to end up well it it, it has to 
it, it, and and that goes for players, management, everybody across the board. And, right. and to your point, this <clears throat> the idea that it's a slippery slope. No, it's because this is one and done. None of these guys that it, it, that those. And if it's not if it's not one and done, if it's not one and done, we got we got an issue. Well, that's a whole we got other an issue. Thing. Yeah, but, yeah. And, and again, that it, we're, I think yeah, it, those those agents that we're calling, those players that we're talking this way. They don't have that ability to do that again because you know, as a player, right. you can't. You turn into something else if you complain about another coach. Um, if you complain right. about another message within the next nine months, then then you're the problem, not not somebody else. Um, and, right. and all those guys are very acutely aware of that. And if they're not, their agents are telling them pretty quickly that, hey, listen, you, you just complained about this guy for three years. You can't complain about the next guy. It's it's on you now. So, right. yeah. so, so I, I don't think it's a slippery slope. I think this was something that needed to be done. And um, the, 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 everybody, to your point, gets the pass this one time, but there's no more passes now for anyone. This is now no, it's on nope. and now it's on everybody else when there's a new voice, a new coach who's bit. And that's why this Montgomery thing is so important, because he has done a very good job at all levels. He's well respected in hockey. There's no way you can put it on him. If it right. happens again, He's won you've had Cassidy USHL. and Montgomery, yes. two of the best, you know, very thought, well thought of people. If you're complaining about both of them, it's on you. It, it, you have to look yourself yeah. in the mirror. So that that's why this hire is important too. Because if you get a guy who isn't, if they had hired somebody that wasn't um, in the NHL before, a, a rebuild kind of coach, that would have concerned me. Because then you could have some carryover, and it could turn into a slippery slope. But with Montgomery, with being at Montgomery, you don't have that opportunity as a player. Yeah, and he's not going to be passive. Oh shit, I'm just happy to be here. Exactly. You know what I mean? Type no, of he's thing. he's winning. He's going to be aggressive. He's winning. He's going to get after it. Let's see if they have the personnel to do it. Whether it's with a full lineup or not, you know. I mean, even with a full lineup, this is a tough freaking division now. Mm. And we're going to get into that in a moment, right here, as we as we get through some other stuff. But I wanted to touch on that. Um, I thought the article was fair. In the set, when I say fair, meaning a fair thing to talk about here, a a absolutely, given uh, the scenario, uh, the situation, and uh, I thought it was important for us to to to, uh, to hit on it. Um, all right. Speaking of the division, let's 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 hit on this. Let's hit on some of these trades that happened. Then I want to go to the Forsberg signing, how it impacts Pasternak, uh, and then we got some UFA talk, and then we're done. You're going to get some. I don't know if you need. Uh, uh, any type of uh, Excedrin yep. in, in your system or not, or if you need some coffee, coffee. and we get you going on the road. Okay, maybe good. a swim, Excellent. pool. I, I need, I need, oh, I need a little bit of everything. Oh, yeah. parents got weather's the perfect up here. By the way, anyone in Canada, this week the weather has been. It's like California up here. Amazing. It's been the same here. Okay, it's good. been it's been outstanding, and so therefore I've got a big ass yard day today oh, even boy. until it's a sunday a big ass yard day gonna get it because it's perfect for it It gets a little warm the next couple of days okay the parents got the pool or yeah, you got a pool we got a go pool to? here at the parents parent. got yeah so the kids have been oh. it's, it's glorious yeah glorious excellent yep. outstanding stuff yeah no great it's been gorgeous in this area too um a lot of trades and the division the, the, the Bruins division, getting it, it, it absolutely is changing. There's it, it, now, is it going to mean that with Ottawa getting Alex to brink it? I still don't know what the f the Blackhawks were doing on oh this trade. I don't get it. 
But now he goes there, and that's only going to help them out. Um, there's no question about it. How about the Montreal Canadiens uh, making some moves, um, making some trades, and they get, you know, I, I don't know if I love Kirby Doc, but, you know, they, they get him. He can play quickly. I, maybe he'll be better. I, I, I don't know. You go from Chicago where you don't have a lot around you, although you do have a, a Debrinket and a Kane at the time, to, to a, a team in Montreal. But it's a restart. Um, for Kirby Doc. And so Montreal, I think Montreal under Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes is just, and, and obviously Marty St. Louis, feeling better. Image-wise, they're looking at themselves and saying, all right. Now, you still don't have a goaltender there. No. You, you just don't, I mean, without price. But you're, you're, you're starting to, to feel better. But how about the Ville Husso trade from St. Louis to Detroit? How much does that help him? I like Ville Husso. To tell you, I think he's, I don't know if he's a legit starter or not. I think he's going to see a lot more shots in Detroit than he did with St. Louis. I mean, but he's right. He's got to help Detroit out an awful lot compared to what they had. And Nedeljkovic, I mean, it's a good tandem at the very least. Now, yeah, that's right. It, it allows Nedeljkovic to be in a good spot because most people think he's a good goalie. Still, they they just feel like it was a bad. You know, he's not going to carry a team that's so bad in Detroit, giving up 10, 11 goals a night. But yeah, Villiuso makes them better, and, and it proves that. They're probably going to be a little aggressive over free agency as well. Stevie Y is starting to, you know, take that little next bit. step, little. right? Like they're not going the yeah. big boys, but they're going to continue to build around what they have. And and he's got a plan in place and he needs a goaltender to do that. And he, he went aggressive and got Huso. Um, I think to your point, the Senators in the draft, um, again, I, I think it's pretty well known. I, I'm not a huge draft guy. And, and I think, Mm-hmm. When you trade for a Debrinket, that's why you have a seventh overall pick. If you can turn a seventh overall right. pick into Alex Debrinket, now we're talking. Good for you. That's an asset. Yeah. Now you've got yourself better. Whatever they could have picked, whoever it was on the board, it none of them are as good as Alex Debrinket at this point. And and you're gonna and maybe never, never, and maybe exactly, never exactly, maybe, maybe ne- probably, maybe. probably the numbers say probably won't be. So, so when you can turn a seventh overall pick into Alex Dabrinkit, you're you're in a good good place. Um, does he? He feels like a player that still needs someone to help him. Um, does, sure. You know, he he's sure. not a guy who's going to absolutely drive it. But but can he find chemistry with the Kachucks of the world that they're better? They're better. So hey, if if Timmy Stutzla can pass the puck as well, if, if they you know, if they create a little chemistry, right? Then then he's going to put the puck in the net. There's no question. They haven't had that guy. So so yes, he makes exactly. them better. Um, and it feels like they're starting to they're going to be aggressive too. That you know they Dorian those guys they need to win. The the rebuild kind of narrative is over right. for them. Um, and then yeah, Montreal will be a little bit tougher too. Um, it'll be interesting to see these young kids um, how good they are if if they if they translate and what Marty St. Louis um, splendid coaching um, expectation <laughs> is everyone thinks he's great. And can he, can he actually continue that with these guys? So division's really hard and we're not even talking about what Toronto, Toronto is going to get a better goaltender in the next three or four days. That's going to make them feel better. All right. Who are they going to get? Because Fleury signs back with Minnesota. He wasn't going to go to Toronto to begin with. Georgiev, look, I can't tell you if I think Georgiev's a great goalie or not. I I don't love his body language when I watch him, Georgiev. Yeah. And maybe it's going to be better now that it always seemed like he was kind of pouting a little bit. You know, he gets now, Shesterkin maybe makes you do that, you know, because you're really not going to play in the Rangers. He gets traded to for to uh, the Rangers. Um, 
to Colorado. Gets a pretty good return for the uh, for the New York Rangers on Georgiev. They move on from Kemper. I mean, can Darcy Kemper be the guy in Toronto and survive that? I, is is he is, he was good enough, Razor, to win it for Colorado. I don't know if he's good enough to win it with the team in front of him in, in a place like Toronto. Yeah, I don't know about, but he gets them through the first round. I think I think he's better than Jack Campbell. Um, I would agree. So okay, so I think enough. he gets them past Tampa. He gets one save in Game Six that the Leafs need. So uh, it, yes, but are they going to be able to? get him past they Edmonton because Edmonton's the, they're very similar teams looking for the very similar type goaltender, just good enough. And Darcy Kemper yeah. proved that in Colorado that he can do that. And I, I think he's a fit for both of those teams. So it'll be interesting to see who pays them more because I'm sure it's just those two teams calling back and forth. And, and then where do the, ch- the chips fall from there? Does Jack Campbell end up on the other team? Um, it'll be interesting, but, but either way, I do think they have a plan to be, be better. Involved. By the way, I talked to Darcy Kemper on the ice after the Stanley Cup champion, after the win, game six. Wonderful guy, by the way. I don't know if you know him personally or not. Just a, a kind, a sweet guy. Yeah. Asked him about the pressure of going there and, and, and dealing with it. And meaning being that final piece of the puzzle in the last season UFA to make it, to make that team. And he admitted how difficult it was. He said, yes, I needed my family to get through this at times. And the pressure was there. Holy shit. If there's pressure being that guy in Colorado, <laughs> can you imagine T.O. or Edmonton? No. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about a scenario that is going to be, I mean, you know, and, and it's not even, I'm not picking on Darcy. I'm just saying, if you think this is pressure, wait for these two markets. Well, that's it. That's that's the role of of that whoever that goaltender is. It's not about the Xs and Os, it's not about the technical, it's not about what's going on in the ice. It's you, they're they're making their decisions based on who the what the character is and who the person is and and can he just just keep it together for the 82 games and, and playoff time uh mentally and off the ice just as much as what they're doing on the ice. That's going to be brutally tough to look at. The other trade that happened, uh, Vitek Vanacek goes to New Jersey Devils from the Washington Capitals. Still don't know what the Caps are going to do with a the goaltender there. This team, the Caps, I think a lot of people, folks, are looking at the Caps like the Bruins right now. Where are they going? What are they going to do? So uh, Samsonov is their goalie. As of now, it cannot be the only goalie goal, though, moving forward. The other trade that happened that was interesting, uh, D'Angelo from Carolina to Philly. Then they signed him to a two-year deal at $5 million a year. I was told for weeks, for a long time, there was no way Carolina was going to pay him what he wanted in the 4 or $5 million range. It proved to be true. Um, they were going to look to pay him. You know, he was making $1 million last year. They wanted to keep him in the $2 million range, I think. He wanted no part of that. Now he goes back home, basically, to the New Jersey-Philadelphia area. I'm curious as all heck how that's going to work <laughs> out there um, for Tony D'Angelo. You cannot deny that the kid isn't a good hockey player. And he puts up points from the back end right there. But I'm very curious to see how that works out, Razor. Um, and other, the other trade that was interesting that makes the East um, better, although, you know, you take from one team in Montreal to the Islanders, though, uh, uh, the defenseman Romanov, or Romanov goes from Montreal to the Islanders to help fortify their back end there. They needed to get younger, and now they are in their top four. They get their left shot D-man. Yeah, so, you, so you're looking at all those teams that, that got absolutely abused in the Eastern Conference, got better. 
that you know they're putting right. pieces together the Detroit's, the Ottawa's, the Montreal's, the Islanders. Hey, so, Buffalo's going to be better. Buffalo's Buffalo going to be too? better. No. I mean, they signed Craig yeah. Anderson. They they probably need a goaltender as well. Which and again, that yes. adds to the intrigue of this goalie market. There's just not a lot of guys out there, so um, right. they're they're really going to fight over guys the next couple of days. But but no, there, there's no. It, it's not going to be uh, the the top eight teams and everyone else this year in the East. It just won't end up being that way the way it was this past season. Let's play a quick game before we talk about Forsberg and Pasternak, and then uh, we'll wrap it up, all right? Would you or wouldn't you? And I'm not talking about when you were back at the bar as a single guy. <laughs> would you or wouldn't you? I'm going I'm I'm to I'm talk about, would you look at these guys, con- seriously consider signing them or not, UFAs? Now, we're going to play the game with fair understanding that you might not be able to fit these guys. I'm just saying, would you or wouldn't you? All right, you and I. I'm going to just go through a bunch of names. Some are realistic and some are. Uh, Nazem Kadri, UFA, would you or wouldn't you seriously consider? No. You wouldn't? No. I think you. I, I think I, I would seriously consider, but term is going to be an issue for me. So I think that would probably take him out because I think he's going to want seven years wherever he goes. So I wouldn't consider seven years, but I would consider something shorter. Claude Giroux? No. No, I'm past that. Burakovsky out of Colorado? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I would too. I'd consider shorter-term deal. Also out of Colorado, Vlad Nishuski, yes. who had a real kind of yes. coming-out party. My question with him, as much as I – and I love the way how he played net front, et cetera. Can he do it on a team that isn't as good where he becomes – he was the fourth or fifth option, so to speak, on that Colorado team. Does he play nearly as effective as the number two, let's say, on a team? I'm not sure, Razor, but I'd still consider him for the right money. Uh, Riley Smith. He's a UFA out of out of Vegas. Oh uh, yeah. I hear they're working on a deal. You know, I hear they're working on a deal. But would you consider? Would you or wouldn't? I you? think he's a yeah. Yes, I, for yeah. I don't. I, I, I don't I, think I, I really need to I'd go consider. into it long. But but yeah, I think he's a good piece on a good team for sure. You need a guy like him. Vinny Trocheck, would you consider him as a centerpiece as one of your centers? No. I wouldn't either. It feels I, – I, I'm not as high I, on, on it as some others are. I think the Bruins are going to look at him, Razor. I, I just – I don't know if it's if it's a long-term number two solution. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it's a long-term – so so the, the scenario that it works for the Bruins is if he goes to market, doesn't get what he wants, takes a few days, and then realizes, you know what, I, I might need to have one more show me here. And they get them mm-hmm. kind of on a one-year, two-year deal that's short money where they can put them in the lineup. That's that's how I see that work. But the idea that he's the guy for the next nine years, no. Yeah, I agree on the short term. I would I would do that with a motivated yeah. uh, Vinny Trocek. I would. But I want to guess. I want to see them get bigger up the middle too. I, I, you know what I mean? I, I know Coyle's big, but I'd love to see him even get bigger. Uh, Andrew Cop out of the Rangers organization now, would you consider? I, I like him as a player, but I don't think it fit. I mean, you know, but yes, I would if I was most other teams. I, you know, yeah, I, he, he's that versatile player, but is he really a top six no. when all said and done? But he's a beautiful top middle six. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, uh, Ricard Raquel, would you consider that? Uh, I like him as a player too. I mean, we talked about him a lot over draft time that we thought he would be a great fit for the Bruins. Um, probably not as good of a fit now with Jake DeBrus back in the mix. So um, I, I would probably say that's assuming they don't trade. It's assuming Jake doesn't get traded. I know he's rescinded his request. Does, I mean, does it mean that he can't get traded? No. 
you know, but I'm curious to see, especially do they keep Jake on the right? Uh, a couple of more quickies here. Andre Palat. This is a guy that, oh, mommy, you know, yes, is, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yes. But the, but the issue there is contract situation. What, what term, what yeah. length? Um, because if you're adding him, though, are you going against what you said about getting younger, et cetera? I mean, I love the guy. I love the way he plays. Could you get him to a place like Boston on a shorter term, higher AAV? You probably won't because somebody else is going to yeah. offer him more. Yeah. Would I consider him in a millisecond uh, as good a pro as there is? Uh, I saved the best for last. Nick Delorier. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, hey, your man. Yeah. <laughs> Give him 10 a year. Yes, I got to tell you something, all kidding aside, he's going to get a lot of interest out there and he'll probably get priced out of what the Bruins can offer. And you have to be careful of overpaying and overterming what you will call a fourth line player. He's he's a can you. Yeah, sorry. He's the term guy. He's sitting there in his fat cat seat right now, just cranking out five, six year deals. That's what they're trying to do. That's what you do as a fourth line guy. You look for the longest term possible. And to your point, I think the Bruins are going to get termed out because it's not a dollar issue. You just, you know, it's hard to sign a guy like that for five years and probably someone will. Oh, now that would be too much. That would be too much. Give me three years, figure out a way you get Nick Deloria here, move something else. And that now, but again, does it solve what your bigger issue is with the franchise is filling the pipeline, getting it ready? I, I, I don't know, but it sure as shit gives you something that you need in the lineup and um you know if you can get him for two years in a millisecond three years yes i'm with you as well five years no all right that's would or wouldn't you uh and it'd be interesting to see july 13th which is what three days from now what the bruins do last thing i want to touch on here razor before we get you skinny dipping and and (laughs) sipping you know some cold coffee cold are you gonna go timmy hortons i know you don't have fazenda up there no so no fazenda no i'll go i'll I'll still make my starbucks run it won't be uh, a timmy day Perfect. Timmy for perfect. the donuts, though. The kids are going nuts for the donuts. Okay, perfect. Um, Philip Forsberg yesterday announced signed a contract. Eight years at $8.5 million a season. In about a month, Phil Forsberg turns 28 years old. He's two years older than, than, uh, than David Pasternak. All right? They're both right wings. They're both right shots. They're, you know, they can play the offside too, or Forsberg can. But let's just call it, they're both the similar spot. Forsberg has been noted to be in the league for 10 years, but in reality, Razor, it's eight years. His first two years in the NHL, he played a combined 18 games. So if you take out those 18 games and the one goal and five assists Philip Forsberg had in those first two years, it's eight years. Here are his career stats, regular season stats, 548 games. 219 goals, 244 assists for a total of 463 points. In the playoffs, 75 games, 29 goals in that time, 24 assists. David Pasternak, who recently turned 26 years old, eight years in the league now, 510 games. So just just about 40 less uh, than uh, eight years for Phil Forsberg. 510 games, he has 240 goals, 264 assists, 504 points. 83 goals on the power play. Um, By the way, Phil Forsberg, 58 of his goals on the power play. In the playoffs, Pasternak has played in 70 games. Now, that is something to do with, you know, I mean, well, actually similar, right? He's played five games left. 30 goals, 44 assists. So 74 points in the playoffs versus 53 for Forsberg. 
what it says to me when it's all said and done. Uh, uh, David Pasternak's making more than eight and a half a year. Yeah. I, I when it's all said and done, especially considering when UK cost of living and 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 tax structure, and 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 you and I can sit here and say uh, it it does matter. That's exactly what the agent brings up to management. It does matter. We've seen it happen with other places like Tampa, like Florida. Um, do you think that? Do you think that nine and a half a year? A million more a year can get it done for eight years for David Pasternak. I do. I think that's the number. I think that's the Charlie McAvoy number. It might even be a, a 9.3 million, 9.25 million type thing. Um, and yeah, they're listen, when they do those deals, what happens is the, the player wants to know what is my absolute real dollar at the end of this? What don't tell me how much a year. I don't care if I make 80 million one mm -hmm. year and, and 200,000 the next. What am I going to have in my bank after the next eight years, after taxes, after agent fees, after everything else? What's my number? Um, so they'll do that. But I think when you look at where Charlie McAvoy is, where Forsberg is, you see David falling right in between that or going right up to that number of Charlie McAvoy at nine and a half. Um, and I, it, it, I think it gets done. Like it, it, this Forsberg thing, I think is a good lesson for all of us too, is like it, guys want to stay with the team that they're on. They, they really rather not move around. And if the team's willing to pay for them, then it'll, it might take a while. It might go right down to the last second, but the, the, these guys don't really necessarily want to move. Um, is this a fair comparison? Is this a fair comp? The Forsberg and Pasternak, meaning besides the whole score right shot, I mean, you know, I I think Forsberg's a heck of a player. I, I do. Uh, you know, as, as David continues to round out his game more, and I do think he, I don't need to see him, you know, as we've said early in the show, a defensive stalwart. I just want to see him continue to get physical and continue to be very competent defensively. But I think he's a better, I do, and the numbers bear it out, a better scorer. Uh, yeah, Forsberg and Forsberg's a damn good scorer. Yeah, I would say David's David's superstar scoring ability is is higher than Forsberg. And and as a player, there's certainly David sitting there looking. Well, I'm way better than Forsberg. Like that. That's the mentality. That's what he's thinking when he sees that deal. He's like, all right, well, I should get a million dollars more than that guy. I should get paid 10, 15 percent more than that guy does because I think I'm ten or fifteen percent more better. Now, the Bruins mm -hmm. might sit there and say, well, Forsberg's a little more physical than you are, David. Forsberg does other things away from the puck maybe a little bit better than you do sometimes, David. And uh, the, that give and take, and it's not right to David, by the way. That's to Jade, right. you know, whoever's agent is. That's the that's the back and forth that goes on. Um, but, but at the end of the day, the Bruins have made it. The Bruins have done – Don has made it very, very, very clear that they are willing to give him whatever they need. They are willing to do whatever David wants – to get him here and they've put the onus on David to want to be a Boston Bruin at this point. And, and that should make you feel good. It should make David feel good and it should um, hopefully entice him to get a deal done right away. Unfair question to put you on the spot. Do you think that they trade him if he doesn't sign soon after July 13th when he's eligible to sign an extension? Do, do you, do you think they can wait it out much longer. Put it this way. Do they wait past the regular beginning of the regular season to trade him? I don't know if they, I, you know, I don't know if they can afford to, Razor. 
it's you know because are you going to hold on and hold on for a long time if you've offered him what you can offer him you know you know hey we've to your to your point we've made it clear that we love you we want you we need you and we can go to nine five or whatever on on an eight-year deal can they afford to hold on to him and have it play out what do you think? Oh, that that's a tough one. I think I think this again, this Nashville, it's a very good comparison, very good. The scenario is very similar. And it seemed as though, again, not really knowing much about the Forsberg stuff, it seemed as though they were kind of close, right? And they they mm-hmm. that's why they didn't trade him at the deadline. They felt like they would be able to get to this point. Um okay. I think the Bruins, if they have that feeling, I don't think that they're gonna drag their feet as long as the Nashville Predators did. I think they will okay. jump to that number early enough. So so I I would expect if they don't have him signed, they will trade him because I think they are going to make more of an effort to get it done earlier. And they'll understand or know earlier that it's not going to get done one way or the other. Um, and that'll be a tough one. It'll be tough to trade him. I, I, oh, my God. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, like you're sitting there looking at this saying – what if we just wait till July? Maybe he changes his mind. Is it better to hold on to him like they Nashville did with Forsberg and not get rid of him and not let him see anything else? And maybe at the last second he changes his mind. But again, I think they I think they'll be so aggressive this summer to get an extension that they're gonna know exactly where they stand. And 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 again, I think they'll give whatever he wants. But if he doesn't want to be here, then yeah, you look to trade him. Yeah, I I think it's a vibe you're right. It's a vibe thing. If it's they, a vibe they can thing. Tell, yeah, that's the yeah, perfect it, way to say it. You, I think you have to because with a new coach, with a team that is in a what are they transition, potential transition right now. You know, we've already talked about it a few times here on Morning Brew in the last couple of shows about what is this team going to be. But after, you know, especially with a player, we don't know if he's going to retire or not in Bergeron, a new coach in the mix after firing a very successful coach. And now, you know, we're not rebuilding, but we're not exactly sure where we're going to be type of scenario if you don't have a if you have a player that you don't have that ultimate feeling that you know that he wants to be here, I think you have to trade him. And I think that is a very difficult scenario. But the sooner you trade, the more term left on his deal for the team he's going to uh, allows for a better return. Do you ever get that same return? The value, fair value? I don't know. Let's not even get into that. No. But it would be hard. But let's let's see. Let's see what happens. I think you're right. I think they're gonna be more aggressive. Um, I think it's pretty clear where he's gonna be up. Now to hold the team hostage too for no, I want eleven million a year. I don't know. I, I don't know if that benefits the team, but it sure benefits the player. But you know, it does it does it benefit the player? It benefits the player's bank account, but does it benefit the player two years from now getting other players around him? Not as much. No question about that. Yeah, and I, you know that the Bruins have never done business that way, so that that's not going to change. They're not going to be complete. You know, they're going to be fair and they're going to give David a whole lot of money and offer, but they're not going also going to. They're not doing twelve million a year or something crazy like that. And that'll be if that's the ask. Then then that's when you start looking for trade because they 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 won't be held hostage to your point right. with with those dollars. They're going to be very fair, but but they're not going to. They're just never in a franchise that's going to go and, and have the highest paid player on the team. It just won't happen. Speaking of being held hostage, I'm going to let you go now. Yeah. You're ready to go. Get out of that room and get to the pool. Uh, I'm hoping, I'm sure the kids have been up now for a while. Uh, have a have a great, 
couple of hours getting your head straight and uh, then getting on the road. Drive carefully. Um, if the Bruins do something, we'll have to do an emergency, you know, special brew. We'll figure out a way, but you're going to be out of pocket for the next, what, five days or so? Yeah, Is that give or take. But, but we, yeah, if, if hopefully we get some news and we can bang one quick one out. But, yeah, three days of camp, a couple days of a golf tournament for me, which will be exciting. And, and then uh, my wife will be dragging me back to the United States. All right, we'll get you back here. Uh, we'll see what happens. Be safe uh, and everything. Say hi to everybody up in Belleville. We need to get a Bellevue beauty on oh, the show. Yeah. Uh, there was lots of podcast I, talk last night. My one buddy, is, he's a diehard Bruin now, and, and he loves giving it to all my Leaf fan buddies, so we'll probably have to get him on. But but he's a little little gun-shy, a little nervous, but he he listens to he was He was excited we were doing this this morning so he could listen all the way home on his drive. All right, what? What's his? Does he have a name or a nickname? Oh yeah, that's we... that's Reg. That's Reggie. So his name is Reggie. not his real name is not Reg, but he is a Reg. Okay. As in Dunlop, yeah. or is he just a Reg for no, another? No, just a Reg from Belleville. Just okay. a guy who's just <laughs> a, a, just a, a Reg. <laughs> okay. Real quick, I got to know what was the drink of choice in Belleville? Well, so time? so Reg Reg brought brought a handle of whiskey. He thought that would be really funny oh. for everybody. So no, I did not oh. partake in that. But that's what was going on around me. So I stuck to uh, the Canadian uh, Canadian beer. Um, but still, that's enough of a. It's it's more of a lack of sleep. Like you get old and you can't. Oh yeah. But but no, I was watching the the, the handle of whiskey get passed around last night, which which wasn't good. All right. Outstanding. Reg, good work. If you've got this. <laughs> He's the, listening for sure. You know, Reg, you get the guts. You, you come on the show. We've we've got the ability to invite a couple of more. Uh, just a few things real quick, folks. Again, bear with us. We will, if news breaks, we will get you something as soon as possible. Um, make sure to check out Fazenda, fazendacoffee.com slash morning brew. Check out all their great stuff. Um, by the way, the espresso I think it's called espresso. I should know this because I drink it. Espresso Morning Blue. I love dark, strong coffee. is outstanding. It's become my new favorite. Get some of that. And uh, Razor, be great. Be safe. Be well. And uh, everybody, enjoy your extra cup of summer coffee.